Our brains are powerful. We have the potential to shift into a positive mindset, but it's not as simple as it sounds. To access a positive mindset and mental toughness under pressure and during setbacks, we need self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and critical thinking skills. So if you're curious about science-backed tools to strengthen your mental resilience, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Mind Body Space podcast, where I aim to share actionable tools you can use to reach your highest potential. I'm Dr. Juna Bobby. I'm a mom of two kids who love challenges for the most part, and I'm also a physician, and my specialty is teaching the science of resilience. In this episode, my awesome friend Fiona Murden joins me to share her expertise on human performance. Fiona is an award-winning author and chartered UK organizational psychologist who works with top-level executives and leaders. Hello, Fee. How are you? I'm so excited to see you. Hello, lovely Juno. It's good to be here. So last time we spoke, we were talking about feedback, which is so important, right? Mm -hmm. Feedback about ourselves and our personalities and you know it's kind of like having a mirror right if you're if you're going to look at your face and fix your hair like you need a mirror <laughs> and we have feedback from people around us as an organizational psychologist i know you do psychometric testing on your clients yeah. which is another kind of feedback but it's a little more um stringent and scientific i had an experience with a psychometric test once when i got a job with this company they flew me out to toronto in canada i'm smiling because i remember you telling me this but tell tell the audience because i think it's fabulous um yes yeah, so they flew me out to toronto it was a one-day thing and met with this organizational psychologist who i guess he did coaching also for golfers and and sports people but he had me sit down and i took a battery of tests part of it was doing a puzzle under pressure and there was one that I just couldn't put together. And at, afterwards, he told me, like, almost nobody gets that one. So they just kind of watch you struggle with it and see what your reactions are. Obviously, I passed because I did get the job, although I ended up not staying at the company. But it was an interesting experience. And I, I really actually had fun doing it, um, even though it was a little stressful. So I know you do these psychometric tests on your corporate clients. What is your favorite? go-to or do you have ones for different things I don't really have a favorite partly mm-hmm. because of the way that I use them so myself and my colleagues use them differently to people in HR further down organizations sometimes use them so there's a danger that people will use the test on someone and then say oh you came out as this this is therefore that's what you are which is terrible because you could label somebody right absolutely before we go on, can you um, explain a little bit in lay language what a psychometric test is? Because I think 80% of executives go through psychometric before they go into a co- before a company hires them. I can't remember the statistic, but it is very high. And there are two types. There's um, cognitive, which is about, which in horrible term, but you could say it's IQ. So it's about how you score on numerical verbal and abstract reasoning so that one tends to have more of a pass fail element to it but the way that myself and my colleagues would use that one is so I've I've did some of these for a client last week and it's to say okay 
someone came out really, really high on two candidates for an organisation, a role, a leadership role. One of them came out above average on all three. So verbal numerical, abstract reasoning, those are the three. And the other one came up really, really highly on numerical, but got quite low scores on verbal and abstract reasoning. And so there's one thing where you can compare them and you say, well, what type of person do you need in this role? Because one of them's quite a spiky character. Um, and it was actually CTO role, so it is sort of technical. But in this role, they have a really high need for someone who can operate across the organisation. So then it's not to rule out the guy that got a really high numerical score, but it's to think, well, what does that mean in the context of how he behaves and how he performs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it happened that he is quite a quirky, um, spiky, I'd call it spiky character, where he, some people will love him, but not everyone will. So it was slightly indicative. But another time you might get the same result. And it's like, well, I was, and my daughter came in when I was doing the, uh, the, the verbal bit okay that's why you didn't do so well or oh do you know what I can't get my head around the verbal which doesn't really make sense because I've always had great feedback on my communication skills and then it's looking at okay well we're only looking at one tiny slither of how someone goes about solving problems at verbal let's look at the rest of what the person is so that's the, the cognitive one which is the one you were describing you would you would describe an abstract reasoning one with that puzzle then there's the personality and sometimes you call it a test I don't like calling it a test because it's not a pass or fail it's preference based Mm -hmm. so it's really about how you see yourself what your preferences are and with those when someone fills them in and when you're going through them it's exploring so I might say oh Juna that's interesting you come out on this as saying you're quite introverted but I would say you come across as an extrovert and you would you might say well no 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 I like time on my own I say yes but when we were talking you know you described how much energy you get from spending time with your daughter with your family Mm -hmm. and so it's basically unpacking it and looking at it in more detail so I always say it's kind of a bit of a sort of descriptive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. measure that you can then use to explore things further But proper psychometrics have got a whole load of uh, complex statistic modelling behind them. So that that means that they've got test-retest validity. Mm -hmm. So it means you can take it in different conditions and it comes up with the same answer. And the other thing that it does is it means that it's measuring what it says it's measuring. So if, for example, you had one in a magazine that said, I like apples and I like oranges... And you say, oh, you like apples and you like oranges, therefore you like red and orange. Well, we know that's that's not true. It doesn't say just because we like apples and oranges, we like. But but when we do those sorts of things in a magazine, it might give us an answer we quite like and we read it through and we think that's great. Whereas when you use a psychometric, it actually tells you something and it's something that has been tested on thousands of people. And so there's a pattern to it. There's a predictive validity to it. When I used to work in a firm of organisational psychologists, we sometimes, you you have a sort of a break when you're doing an in-depth profile, your profile for two hours, then you come out, they do the psychometrics. And and we used to play this little game where you could predict what they were going to come out 
on the psychometrics with because you just spent two hours with them. <laughs> and most of the time, it, it was we'd get it pretty right, but that was because we'd spent two hours exploring their life. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you'll get it wrong, A, because our judgment is incorrect, and we have that's part of why we do it, to keep gathering evidence. But sometimes someone just misunderstands a question or they answer it in a strange way or um, they'll look at it and they'll go no that doesn't really describe me and so then you use it to explore well what does describe you so if I say you're extroverted and you say oh I'm not extroverted I'm introverted why are you introverted then we have a point of discussion around that so it gives us more evidence and information Mm -hmm. about that person but it also helps that person think it through out loud and, and work out so how how good were you at um, guessing? <laughs> well, I mean, when you do it day in day out, uh-huh. it's it's actually um, it's based on quite a lot of judgment, I guess, and experience. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can. I mean, I can sit down generally, and and I could. It's I mean, it's not a game I play anymore. <laughs> but if people if people say to me, "Oh, what do you think my X type is?" I can usually tell them. And it's usually right. And it's not because I'm psychic or anything like that. It's simply simply because I know the constructs, <laughs> the constructs that make it up. So you do two hours of, of directed or pointed analysis and questioning, and then you give them feedback, right? And how long is the feedback? Then you give them the psych, then you give them psychometric. Mm-hmm. Then you spend the last hour doing what we call hypothesis testing. Um, which obviously are using different things, but it'd be saying. Do you have a set uh-huh. kind of question, like a set number of questions you ask, or are you just exploring? Uh-uh. We use what's known as in, I mean, theoretically known as social constructivist, mm-hmm. um, which is allowing someone to tell their story. And through listening to their story, you're hearing which bits they're focusing on and what that means. Um and, and then all the time playing back to them and hypothesis testing. So saying, oh, that's interesting because you said earlier that, you you know, you oh, this is a silly example, but you said earlier you like cars, but you're now saying that, you know, you have no interest in them. What, what's that uh-huh. about? And then they'll tell you a bit more about themselves. And they'll say, yeah, that's interesting because I've noticed you use that a few times. It seems that that's quite... Um, quite a strong preference for you so you start testing these mm. things out to make sure you're getting as much accuracy as you can then you do the psychometrics and you feed them back to the person so you do that thing of hey that's interesting um you've said that you love structure and rules on this but when we were talking earlier you were talking about how you can't stand rigidity and you like flexibility what's that about and then they'll tell you what it's about. And so you're gathering more information. And so by the then you do, in total, it's four hours. And by the end of the four hours, I always say to clients that I meet, I will give you feedback before you leave. Because I don't want them to go away and then wonder what this occupational organizational psychologist is going to write about them. <laughs> and so I always that say, That's true. Look, I would be wondering. That I think, <laughs> yeah. And so I said, these are the things I think are your strengths. These are the things that we might need to watch out for, given the role and given the situation. And then I write it up in more mm. detail. So they take something away that they can use? Not, not then. So then we write a detailed report, about 2,000 words, um, on their personality, areas of strength, areas for development. 
And then they have another session with us, which is called a feedback session, but it's like a coaching session, mm. which be, might be an hour and a half, two hours. And during that, we go through the report and say, okay, so if you're like this, what are you going to do about it? You know, what are you going to do with it? So if they've taken the role, for example, say, right, so we see you've got a blind spot around people making poor judgments in your team. What are you going to do to mitigate that in this role? And so you make a plan of action, basically. That's so cool. But we also look very much at strengths. Uh -huh. So we say, okay, these are your strengths. How are you going to best leverage them in this role? How are you going to be the best mm -hmm. version of yourself? And this could like? be somebody who's getting going mm -hmm. into a job or somebody who's already in an organization, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody's already in mm -hmm. an organization, do you get feedback from the company Or if they're trying to hire somebody, do you get feedback from what they want to know from you about this person or this candidate? Yeah, yeah. So we're giving feedback to the company as well. So, for example, the two guys I saw for this chief technology mm -hmm. officer role, I then speak to the company and I'm saying, look, these are the things that are going to work well with this guy, given what you've told me about the context. These are the things to watch out Very for. cool. So would you recommend this for like people who are not in a company? So if you are, let's say, a teacher or you have your own small company, like how can you get tested and do you recommend it? it I think it'd be hard to find someone to do an in-depth profile because that's really focused on sort of leadership, which may or may not be the right way to do it. But you could definitely explore using psychometrics. And there are people who don't necessarily work at, with leaders in organizations who can mm -hmm. feed back a psychometric but the, I don't I can't remember what the rules are in the U.S. because I've done it in the U.S. Um, we did a whole load of work for BP mm -hmm. you know British Petroleum but you have to be trained to feed them back so you have to find you can probably do some on the well, you can do some on the internet but they're not necessarily as accurate because they're free. How do you get trained you uh, as a organizational psychologist you get trained while you're being trained as a psychologist or do you get trained on each particular um psychometric both okay. for a psychologist uh -huh. so for a psychologist we get trained not only on how to use them but also how to construct them which is very dull dull um, you said and then <laughs> <laughs> oh to make them up yeah there's so much math involved um yeah okay It's, it's not it's not that I mean I do like it but you get to a point where you're like this isn't really what I want to do. It's, it's, it's right for some people just not me but then to administer it you can get trained by that particular psychometric yeah. right in the UK you can be someone in HR and get trained to use psychometric you don't have to be a psychologist okay what do you use what do I use what are your favorites um Hogan which is there's the normal personality test for Hogan, which is based on the five factor theory of personality, which is one that most psychometrics will be based on. Uh -huh. But then there's also something called the Hogan derailers or the dark side, as we sometimes call the it. The dark side? Why? Yeah, because it looks at what is going to take you off course under pressure. <laughs> It's really interesting. So you said that you might... You might be able to do a psychometric on me. Which one would you do? The dark side? I want, I want to, to know the Hogan? dark side. You want to do Hogan? I, I think Hogan. my guess would be that I'm actually good when there's the dark side. <laughs> well, what is, oh, wait, what there's I mean, no good or bad. It's like de what derails you, you said, right? Yeah. And, and another way of describing it sometimes is overplayed strengths. Mm. So it's when, when does your strength actually become a weakness? At which point does it tip? 
Oh, every day I have that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So it might be, you know, it might mean someone's got really good attention to detail, but when they're under huge amounts of pressure, they become so obsessed with the detail that they can't see the bigger picture. In which case you should, you would make a good um, pilot or something, but. Even then, so they do a lot with pilots, actually. My father-in-law was a fighter pilot and now uh-huh. he trains pilots. I'm surprised they don't do this more with medical doctors, which you guys call medics, right? <laughs> yeah, it would be good to do it more with medics. Yes. Medics don't get enough attention on this stuff. Absolutely. Although my stepfather, he used to do quite a lot. I was actually thinking about it. I've spoken, you know, I speak to a lot of medics. So he's a physician, your stepfather. Uh-huh. He is. He's an epidemiologist, but also a physician. But it tends to be the leaders in in whatever field that will get that sort of leadership, that sort of development. Mm-hmm. They don't. But I consider every medical leader really because you're healing people. So I think even teachers would fit into that. They would. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm doing with that charity is saying, look, we're not just looking at kids here. We need to look at the teachers because if the teachers aren't happy, then the kids aren't going to be happy. It's as simple as that. It's kids charity um, for mentoring and it's called Future First. It's UK based. It's very similar to Big Brother, Big Sister that you have in the US. If you take somebody through a yeah. psychometric and the interviewing and that whole process do you diagnose them with things at times like are you able to it's totally not it's not not related to clinical psychology then it's really performance it's not i mean the the things that we might see are sociopathy Mm. or psychopathy or um narcissism which is is what comes up in leaders okay we wouldn't overtly call anyone those things or write that down it might be something that we discuss with colleagues and and it might be something that we flag in different ways in a report that you know this person is going to work their way around i see things and we're not but we're also we're not clinical psychologists so if and if we see someone with depression which yeah, I mean, you don't tend to see people in those roles. You might see them as they're burning out, but then then you'd refer them to um, a doctor or a clinical psychologist. You, we wouldn't deal with that ourselves. Everybody has a personality disorder, I think. To a Everybody has a mental health disorder. Too, yes, <laughs> we were just um, talking about that right before. <laughs> yeah. And it is actually interesting. You, you said it was heard... a human condition. It's a, mental health is a human condition. Mental ill health is a human condition. Yeah. Human condition. yeah. Yes. But there's something called the DSM-5. I don't know if you've heard of the DSM-5. Yes, of but course. It's, yes. You know, the manual. And if you go uh-huh. through it and you read the terms in there, anyone could pick up bits that are like, oh, I'm like that. Oh, it's I'm almost like, like a that. horoscope. Mm, it's a little better than the horoscope (laughs) well there there are some arguments about the validity of it but it is used yes well you know why they use it it's the diagnostic statistics manual and they use it for insurance purposes and Ah. i always say like you said and i love what you said about it that anyone could pick out something in there um given what time of the month maybe it is or what time of the year or what time of the day the clinician will have to give you a diagnosis so that you can get reimbursed for mm-hmm. insurance but what happens is somebody gets labeled with a diagnosis and then it could be devastating for them so yeah. i always say do not take that label of the diagnosis and think that that describes you because you can't fit everybody into like a neat cubby humans are not 
one dimensional disorder. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a really good point to just leave on with psychometrics as well. It's, it doesn't define you. I mean, maybe I should even call it exploring you. It, you change, you evolve, your personality changes and evolves as well. We're not fixed. So that's one thing. And the other thing is we should never label ourselves. It's helpful to understand and explore, but it shouldn't be used as something that labels you because we're so complex, so multifaceted. And our brain is plastic. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we do have tendencies, like you said, and it's good to be aware of them yeah. and to, you know, do what you want with them. Um, but thank you for that. I really needed to hear that today. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> As usual, it was lovely to see you. So good to see you. Thank you, Gina. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. To support the creation of this content, subscribe and share this podcast with anyone curious about achieving their highest potential. Go check out Fee's website, FionaMurden.com, to find out more about her podcast and award-winning books. And then go on over to MindBodySpace.com to sign up for my newsletter. You'll get tips from my unique neuroscience-based planner and courses developed from over 10 years of experience teaching high-performing students of all ages at Juilliard, NYU, Columbia, Achievement First, and many other organizations. Thanks again for spending this time with me. Until next time, this is Dr. Juna wishing you and your family wellness.